Please be seated. So it was 35 years ago this month that I graduated high school, back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. And uh, I, I remember a little bit about it. Um, I remember as an 18 year old um, thinking how excited I was to get out of my parents' house. I don't know if anybody else ever felt that way. That's okay. Dead silence. All right. I was the only one that felt that way. But at the same time, there was this incredible fear that I was leaving my parents' house. Right? This was this, this uh, struggle inside of me. It's like, holy cow, I'm an adult, but there's no way I'm an adult. Right? And, and there's, uh, I, I'm on my own, but I'm not on my own. And, and it's just like, oh, wow, what do I do now? So we've been talking about children in the scripture. We're going to have someone a little older today to kind of connect with our, uh, not only with our graduating seniors, but with all of us. Uh, we can learn some incredibly valuable lessons from Timothy. So let me tell you a little background before we read. Uh, Timothy became a follower of Jesus under Paul's leadership, probably around the age of 13 or 14. Uh, he grew up and Paul mentored him and... I just disappeared. Okay. Uh, am I dreaming or what's going on? All right. So uh, Paul mentored him and he became a pastor. Eventually he became the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And it's really important to know about Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus was where the temple of Artemis was. And there was a lot of what we would say vile things going on because of that temple. Uh, and, and so Ephesus was a very difficult place to pastor. But Timothy was really young probably late 20s when he was the pastor there. So we'll talk more about that as we, we go through it. So in where we are in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, Paul spends the first part of the chapter talking about false teachers. And then he skips over and he begins to encourage Timothy uh, in his ministry there at the church of, at, at Ephesus. So 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, we're just going to read 11 through 14. I changed my mind, so I missed with them. We're on 1194 if you're using the Pew Bible. But 1 Timothy chapter 4, 11 through 14. And again, Paul is writing to his young apprentice, for no other way to say it, who is really probably feels like he's in over his head. So here's what Paul says, 1 Timothy 4, 11. Command to teach these things, going back to uh, the confronting false teachers. Verse 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Okay, so several things I, I want to point out, and the first one is this, is God is not restricted to use people because of their age, right? I know we know that in practicality, but regardless of our age, we can be used by God. Now, so uh, picture Timothy here. He was considered young, probably late 20s there in Ephesus. Uh, he was probably the youngest adult male or close to it in that setting. And so it was there that uh, the people in the congregation probably had some struggles on whether or not we should listen to him. 
No, he doesn't really have enough experience to be leading us. I remember when I was a 27-year-old pastor, uh, there was a, a, a widow lady in the church named Dixie Bell, sweet, sweet lady, and she would always tell me I was too young to be a pastor. She said, I'm praying for you because I think you're too young to be a pastor. And I said, well, how old do I have to be to be a pastor? She said, 30. I was 27. So every year my birthday, I'd say, I'm one year closer to being old enough to be your pastor. And uh, finally, when I turned 30, she just accepted the fact I was her pastor for three years already. So, but there is this idea that, you know, they haven't experienced enough life to be able to lead. And the flip side of it is, is Timothy would have known that. He would have in the back of his mind think, why are these people listening to me? Why are they following me? Why, why are they paying attention to anything I have to say? I don't have enough life experience. And so Paul is writing saying, listen, Timothy, it's not about your age. It's about the fact that God uses you. It's about the fact that you're available. And, and I think that's a huge lesson for us. And, and not, again, not just for our graduates, but for all of us, that we are not age-restricted from being usable by God. So we've been talking about children. We, we know the stories of the kids that God used. And, and one we didn't talk about was the young man who had the, the five loaves and the two fish. They were going to feed 5,000 people. He said, hey, I don't have much, but you can have what I have. And it was a miracle came after that. You look at Moses, who was 80, when God said, I got something I want you to do. I'm 52 and can barely walk because my knees hurt. I can't imagine being 80. And God's saying, I want you to walk 40 years across the desert and lead my people. Uh-huh. Sure. But he did. And I think it's important for us to understand that whether we are children or teenagers or young adults or meeting adults or middle-aged adults or older, I don't know what to call myself because I'm middle-aged. I'm going to be 104 when I die, so I don't think I'm a middle-aged. But God can use whoever he chooses to use. And there's no age restriction. And I think sometimes, especially when we're young, we either have this idea that I'm going to conquer the world or I'm just not old enough yet. But he can use whoever is available, whoever's willing. And I think that was Paul's message to Timothy. If you're available and willing, God can use you. And so hear me when I say that regardless of where you are on this life journey, you can be used by God. And God can do much greater things than you could ever do by yourself. So be available. And I think that would be the, the first thing that, that I would want to say. The second thing that he said to Timothy here, if you keep on in verse 12, he said, um, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Set an example. And I think the second thing that we need to see is this, is that we live in a time when people need to see Love and joy and peace and all of the things of living in Christ modeled. All right? So I want to take a few minutes. I'm going to go through this list that Paul gave. So i got a slide here that's going to help us. And the, the first two have to do with outward things. Right? So he gives, he gives Timothy this list. Here is how I want you to model. These are the things that I want you to do. Right? And the two outward ones, the first one is speech. 
He said, I want you in your speech as the leader of this congregation to model how people should communicate, to model how they should talk. In Ephesians, Paul wrote it this way. He said, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that will edify those who listen. Right? That's a big challenge. That's a big call. But he said, Timothy, let your words model for people how they should be. And I want you to hear me as we go through this. This isn't just for pastors. He was saying, live a life worth imitating. And if it's worth imitating, that means we all should do it. And I want you, as we go through this, to imagine what the world would be like if the followers of Jesus actually lived this way. Imagine what it would be like as we, if we as followers of Jesus, in person and online, used language that brought honor and glory to God. Imagine the difference it might make. The second outward appearance was then conduct. He said, live your life in such a way that people will morally look at you and say, wow, there's something different about him. To live your life in such a way that people notice there's something different, that you have a new standard. Imagine Timothy in Ephesus, there at the temple of Artemis. One of Artemis, specifically in Ephesus, Artemis was the goddess of unmarried girls. And the idea was, is that they were, if they really wanted to be at the top of the heap, they would never get married because they would never be controlled by a man. So a part of that was, is they would worship and give themselves up to men. That was their worship. And so he was living in this context and in this idea, and he was saying, live such a life that is so different and contradictory to what the world lives that they look at you and say, wow. And then your people will follow that example and live the same way, and they will see there is something different about this group. What would happen if we decided, you know, we're going to live differently than the world? We're not going to live in hedonism and self-centeredness. We're going to live a different kind of life. Imagine the transformation. And so, so these first two were outward. The next three were inward. The first was love. The word was agape. To love, period. Several di- different words in the Greek for love, but, but this is agape. Agape means that I love you regardless. I love you in spite of yourself. I love you in spite of me. I love you in spite of your bad choices. I I love you in spite of the bad decisions you've made or the family you come from. I love you. And I'm going to show that love by putting you above myself. That's an internal thing. That is something that, that makes us act differently towards people. The second, then, was faith. To believe not only that this gospel is true, but believe that God can. Model the reality that God can intervene in this history and in this world in which we live, that God can make a difference. Trust in God's ability to be able to, whatever it is. Model that for your people and let your people live that. And all of a sudden you begin to realize that if we start living these things, that that people will see hope. If you haven't realized, we live in a time of great hopelessness. My goodness, to have faith in a God who can brings hope. The last one, then, is purity. And this is purity of mind, where, where the outward is to live a, conduct, live a life of conduct that is pure, to have a mind that is pure. And Jesus taught very clearly that whatever is going in your mind is what's going to come out of your actions in your mouth. And so here's what I want you to hear me. I'm not telling you that if I went through this list and you said, oh, I really need to work on that one. I'm not encouraging you to do that. 
What I'm encouraging you is to realize I need to work on my relationship with Christ because that's not right. The words that come out of my mouth reflect the, the reality that my relationship with, with Jesus is out of whack. So I need to spend more time connecting to him so that my words will be words that edify and lift up and encourage. Just as one illustration. And so Paul said, look, Timothy, watch your life, see who you are, see how you live, know that your people are watching, know that other people are watching, and live your life in such a way that when you mess up, so, oh, I, I need to refocus on who I am and what I'm doing. Man, just hear me say that. You know, please don't hear me say that I, I'm trying to let you, have you live a certain life so that you'll be right with God. I'm having you live... Be right with God so you'll live a certain way. Very different. Very different. All right, so the third thing then that Timothy said, I mean that Paul said to Timothy, was to function inside of your giftedness. Okay? So here's what he said. So I'm sure, I don't know if this was a response to a question Timothy sent or not, but, but it kind of seems like in verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And he said, Timothy, I know there are times you don't know what to do, but use the gift that God gave you. Function inside of that gift. And when I get there, I'll help you with other things, but you know what God has gifted you to do. Function inside of that gift. Don't try to figure everything else. Don't, don't try to figure it all out, but, but function in the giftedness you have. You know how to teach. You know how to read scripture. You, you have been given these gifts. Use those gifts because that's what God has given you. How many times have I watched people try to be something and function outside of their giftedness? Try to be something that God never intended them to be. I, I know I've told you this story, but it illustrates it so well. So I'm going to tell it again. Uh, when I was in Currens, Texas, Dixie Bell's church, uh, part of my responsibility was to go every Wednesday to the nursing home and lead a Bible study. One day, uh, we showed up to the Bible study, and there was a young lady that we did not know who wanted to sing two solos. Now, she had a, a, a cassette player and, a, and two cassette tapes. Now, for those of you under the age of 30, cassette tapes are what we had after eight tracks and before CDs, okay? And you would stick it into the player, you would listen to the song, and it was bad because if you wanted to listen to the same song over, you didn't have to rewind, or if it was like my car, you'd fast turn it over fast forward and then flip it back over so you could hear it, okay? So back in that day, they, Christian songs, they would make cassette tapes, that they would play music, and on one side you would hear the artist singing, and then you would flip it over, and you'd just hear the music without the artist, so you could perform. Okay, that was what we did. Um, and obviously, it was pretty brilliant for back in the day. We were really impressed with that, were we not? Yeah. So anyway, so she showed up. She had her cassette player. She had her tapes. It was like, oh, it would be something different for the people. So I said, all right, why don't you sing first? Uh, let us sing a hymn, like we always do. You sing, then I'll speak, and then we'll let you sing to close it out. So we sang the hymn. She got up, she pressed the tape, and there's no nice way to say this. She was absolutely the worst singer I've ever heard in my life. Okay? Now, now, now please hear me. She was not flat. 
She was not sharp. She was in a different ballpark. It, it, was, it was not close. Now, if you've ever experienced that, um, at first, now for me, it was like, oh my gosh, how am I not going to laugh out loud? That's how bad it was. So I turn my head, I open my Bible, I start reading the Bible, and I body my tongue almost to his bleeding. I, I, just being, this is how bad it was. Okay? And so she sang the song. Of course, the people there at the nursing home were, yeah. It's like, okay, I got to speak when this is done. All right? So I, I got up and, and I went through uh, just a summary of the sermon from the pre- previous week. And I sat down and she sang again. And it was still the wrong ballpark. Every occasionally, she'd hit a note and I would say, Welcome to the Kia G. You got one. And, but it, and so, and I know that sounds horrible. And, and when you sing a lot or, and, and people are barely off, it bothers you. But when people are, it's just like, Oh, this is horrible. So, anyway, she got done. Uh, we closed in prayer, and she came to me and said, you know, I sing at my church all the time. I said, really? She said, I'd love to come sing at your church. Really? And my thought, and, and, and I know this is horrible, the pastor should not think these things, but I was only 27. I wanted to say, we're booked for the next 15 years. But I just said, we'll, we'll keep it in mind. And I walked away because I, I was struggling with, you know, somebody needs to tell her, but it's not going to be me. You know? Um, and it's, it's going to be a bad, embarrassing thing at some point. Point of the story. She or someone in her life had convinced her that she had a gift she didn't have. Paul writes to Timothy and said, listen, there are a lot of things you can be doing. There are a lot of things that you could focus on as the leader of the church in Ephesus. And you could be struggling with trying to convince people that you've got it together for your age. But here, focus on this. Focus on what God's gifted you to do. Live within your giftedness. And when you do that, he will use you to make a difference. Just trust me. Because, Timothy, it's not about you getting everything right. It's about you being available. God gifted you that way for a reason. So I say that to the college, the high school graduates who are going off to college. Um, As followers of Jesus, God gifts us with specific gifts, with specific personalities, with specific talents. And he does that for a reason. He doesn't do it just so we can entertain. He doesn't do it just so you can feel good about yourself and people can be impressed. He does it for his kingdom's glory. And when you find and discover your giftedness, thrive in it. Thrive in it. Because it's there that the Spirit of Christ works powerfully in your life. So I just want to challenge all of us. Listen, God made you for a purpose. He gifted you for a purpose, for a reason. If you're trying to fight against his flow of who you made you to be, stop. Stop. 
and be who God designed you to be. And then we can live the life that God's called us to live and the world can see hope and joy and peace in what it's supposed to be like. What a great honor to be a part of that instead of trying to convince God of something different. So we have the cards today. Um, I have a card somewhere. There we go. It's green. And it says, I can be an example like Timothy by, and here's what I put, because when I go through that list, the same one comes out for me. Uh, so I quoted a different passage from Paul. I can be an example like Timothy by being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So I want to ask you if you were to take that out and, and take a minute and begin to think about what you would put there, how you can make an impact like Timothy. And, uh, and so we've been doing this through this series so that you will talk with your families about this or talk at lunch about it. And again, I encourage you kids, uh, if your parents forget to talk about it, annoy them until they do and have those conversations. Um, it's always a good thing when families talk about Scripture together. All right? So let's pray. Thank you.